Welcome to Real Estate Rewind, the podcast that takes you back to where it all started. Nick Baldwin talks to top producers from all levels and brokerages in real estate about how they built the businesses they have now and achieved success through failure. Now, here's your host, Nick Baldwin. Hey, everybody, it's Nick Baldwin. We're back with another episode of Real Estate Rewind. And today, we have got a really special guest, one of my most favoritist. I don't even know if that's a word, but it is one of my, she is one of my most favoritist realtors on the planet. Uh, Catherine Rain is with us, and Catherine's a star of the CBS show, The American Dream, and she's a real estate advisor at Keller Williams. And Catherine is awesome because she networks her way to success. She says, sometimes you just got to pick up the phone or knock on someone's door to find your client, something that most agents really aren't willing to do. Believe it or not, Catherine used to be an actress and a stand-up comedian. And we're going to talk a lot about that. She is from Germany. She's ranked the number one agent, number one single agent in her company in Florida last year. And it led her to selling an enormously expensive penthouse at Park Grove. Uh, she also uh, received the company's mega agent award. And the recognition that she's most proud of is the cultural award. Rain is a certified instructor for Keller Williams Kids Can, uh, which holds quantum leap workshops to empower young adults to meaningful lives. And she loves spending the day at the beach, soaking up the sun with her husband and her two kids, but don't we all? And she <laughs> says her family fires her up to inspire her to continue to work hard for her clients. Catherine, thank you so much for being on the show. Hey, Nick, thanks for having me. Oh man, that's quite a... <laughs> quite a bio you have there. <laughs> well, thanks for reading this long bio. No, I think it's great. You're doing a lot of stuff and I'm excited to talk to you about everything uh, that you've done right. And then of course, everything that you've done wrong, uh, because mm -hmm. on Real Estate Rewind, we talk about the failures, the obstacles of top producers, how they essentially failed their way to the top and made really bad mistakes or just took a while to get there. And you have a really interesting story because you're from Germany and you came to America. And as we were talking earlier about your life, there is a theme. There's a main theme in your life. You were basically broke for like <laughs> the longest time, right? Yes. Yes. But let's go back to when you came over to America. What brought you here? Because I know it was the dream of being a real estate agent, right? That was probably no. the no? That's weird. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Isn't that every <laughs> Isn't that every young German girl's dream to be a real estate agent? No, uh, you know, Nick. What I thought about realtors, like I always thought, realtors were the sleaziest people in the world. So that yeah. was something that I would never want to be in my life ever. Got it. Okay, that makes perfect sense because most <laughs> of them are. <laughs> so yeah. So what brought you over here? When I was. 22, I was in acting school in Germany, in film school, and I saw an ad in a magazine that, that called for people to apply to be an au pair for the summer. And I always wanted to come back to America. I went after high school with my sister to visit. It was the first time I was ever in the United States and my first time ever on a long distance flight. And I really fell in love with the country and the opportunities, and I always wanted to come back. So when I saw this ad, I really wanted to apply, but the deadline was two days from the date I saw the ad. And my stepdad said to me, why don't you apply? You never know what comes out of it. And I did apply. I got everything together really quickly and they accepted my 
application and I went to Boston to be a nanny for a five-year-old girl. So that's how I came here. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And you said that when you got to America to become an au pair, you only had $700 to your, to your yes. name? Yes. I did not have any savings except for those $700. And when you're an au pair, you get paid, I believe it was back then, $128 a week. Mm-hmm. And that's all that I had. And you slept on couches and you slept in your car for two weeks? Well, that was not while I was an au pair. So when I was done being an au pair, I went to Los Angeles because you have at the end of your au pair time, two weeks vacation. And I went to LA and I found this guy on Craigslist that was renting out his living room. Okay. Wait, he was renting out his living room? (laughs) Yes. Like the middle of the house he was renting out. Uh, well, he had a one-bedroom apartment, so I wouldn't call it a house. That's interesting. Okay. <laughs> and so I moved from the youth hostel directly to a living room. And yeah, that's how I, that's how I came to LA. And then okay. I decided to stay. And my mother, she was freaking out. She wanted me to come back. But I actually never came back after that. I mean, I came to visit. But right. after that, I was basically an American. <laughs> that's, that's a great story. I mean, you know, whenever you hear about anyone meeting anyone on Craigslist, it, it gets a little, you get a little nervous, but you, you, you got out on the other end alive and well, so I'm glad that that worked out for you. So, you know, some of the stuff that I find really interesting in your life is, you know, you mentioned about, cause you have so much energy all the time, but you mentioned that, you know, in the year 2000, you got really sick. You got a really bad case of mono and it still mm-hmm. affects your health today. And you said that you probably have about 60% of the energy of a normal person, but you never know that because you're always like, you're always going, 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 right? So how do you maintain that energy when you're feeling, you know, only really at 60%? Well, I ask myself that sometimes too. It's not very easy. So uh, when when I was about to finish high school, maybe one or two years before I finished high school, I got mono and I was at that time an athlete. I was playing tennis and they didn't catch it right away. So by the time they caught it, I already had a heart muscle disease and it has gotten really, really bad. So for everyone that had mono in their life, they probably noticed that they never got the energy back that they had before they had this disease. And it stays within you for the rest of your life. So I uh, remember days I came home from school. I was basically just doing the homework and sleeping the whole afternoon. It was really, really terrible. And I did recover, but I never got 100% of my energy back. And yeah, uh, there is many days where I'm very tired and I go to bed very early. I'm definitely not a party person, but I'm extremely focused. So this disease has taught me that whatever time I have, I need to use extremely purposeful. So when I'm at my office, for example, at at my um, market center, I walk around and I don't really chit chat with people. And sometimes people think I'm rude or um, I don't want to talk to anyone. The thing is, I know my energy only lasts that long. So I need to be extremely purposeful. I need to be extremely focused. Otherwise, I don't get the stuff done that I want to get done. That makes sense. So you kind of, in a sense, reserve your energy for where it's most needed, right? And where you need to be most focused, in a sense. Is that what you're saying? Correct. Yes. 
Yeah. So that happens to me at the office too. Like people want to chit chat and I'm a team leader of a market center. My agents want to chit chat and I love chit chatting, but sometimes you're just like in that zone, right? Yeah. You want to focus. Yeah. And so they think I'm rude. Nick didn't say hi to me today. I'm like, you know, Nick's really busy. I'm like, yeah, I'm busy. I mean, I don't know what you want me to say. (laughs) Like, I'm just busy and you're busy too. So there's something here that I, I want to talk about because like I said, part of the reason for this podcast is, you know, so many agents have this victim mentality you know, they think they're never going to amount to anything. They think that, oh, I could never do that. Or they always blame other people for getting in the way. And so I like to talk to people like you who have overcome just really big uh, life obstacles, right? And just parts of their life that another someone else may have just quit, right? And so you've been through a lot of those things. And I want to talk about your father. You were living in Los Angeles and your father uh, had an accident, went to a coma and he eventually passed away. And so that must have been very, very difficult for you. Were you close to your father? Yes, I was. Okay. So, you know, you went into a depression and how did you handle that? How did you manage that? And how did you come out from that a stronger person in a sense? It was very difficult because I was very close to my father. And it was one of those things that you hear from other people and it never happens to you. I just got a phone call from my grandmother one morning and she told me that my father had an accident and that he's in a coma. And it was a complete shock to the whole family. And I had just gotten a really good job as a translator, a two-week assignment. And I decided because he was in a coma and the doctor told me that he is in this artificial coma for at least three weeks to finish this assignment. So I kept myself very busy. And when I finally flew to Germany to see him, I spent several months in Germany. The six months that he was in coma, I was almost the whole time in Germany, but I kept myself busy. I uh, worked several trade fairs. Actually, the day he died, I took an assignment to work another job starting the next day. Because for me, I don't grieve very well. I like to distract myself with work and not to think about things too much. It was very difficult when my father passed, uh, especially the financial aspect. Not only was he gone as my father, which was heartbreaking, but I was also financially extremely, how do you call it? I mean, I I couldn't really work in the beginning a lot because I was depressed. Although I tried to distract myself, but financially it was very tough on me. And that has taught me a very, very big lesson because my father was an engineer. He saved his whole life. He had a really good job. Uh, He lived very frugal and yet he left us with almost nothing. Mm. And when I was in this situation, I was just thinking to myself, I never want to put my children in this position ever. And ever since that day, I've been working very purposefully to provide for my family. So if something was to happen to me, God forbid, I know that my children are well taken care of. And that's for me extremely important. And then the other, the other thing that I got from this experience, my father was such a happy person. He was happy with so little things. He never stepped foot on a plane. Can you believe it? I mean, he never, like, he was an engineer and he never traveled the world, but he was happy with taking the car and driving to Italy. That was his vacation. That made him happy, those small things. And sometimes you don't need a lot to, to lead a happy life. He was, he was extremely simple and he had a huge sense of humor, my father. I mean, at his funeral, 
there was like over 250 people and my father lived in a small village. I remember walking up the, the path to the graveyard and I turned around and I saw all those people lining up and I was just thinking, my God, my father lived in a small village and he left this huge legacy and, and people are still talking about his jokes. And that really inspired me then to start comedy. Yeah, I was going to get into your comedy, but that's a good segue. <laughs> so um, my father made the funniest jokes. So people, people still tell me stories about my father. Where I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe he did that. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about your comedy. So your dad was a funny guy, so it runs in the family. You started doing comedy when you were in L.A.? Yes, when I was in LA, I uh, started doing comedy and I pretty quickly got discovered and I started performing at the LA Improv and at the Comedy Store. Mm -hmm. And it was fun. I really, really loved it. It was really my passion. I was talking about how I came to this country, how I was an immigrant, how I went on Craigslist to find anything. Yeah. And uh, it, it, it was really a huge passion of mine. I what was the... What was the joke you told me uh, when we were at the conference? We were at the Glover conference. What was that joke you told me? You want me to say that? Toilet, the oh, one with oh, the toilets? Can't, I can't, is, it, <laughs> is it not PG? Is it not PG? No, I, it's not PG. Okay, okay. Then we'll save it for the director's cut. <laughs> uh, um, okay, gotcha. Okay, but yeah, I remember it was funny though. So I have to say <laughs> that like she is very funny. I was going to say like your life is kind of like, it could be a, it could be like a sitcom. You could have a reality show about, you know, coming here and li living on couches and yeah, doing comedy. And did you know that uh, when I stayed at the youth hostel, when I ca first came to the United States, my roommates died of an overdose and I oh didn't notice, I didn't notice for like three days. You didn't notice for three days that your roommate was not alive? Responding. Was she in another room? No, in, in the same room. It was a guy. He was just laying there? Yeah, he was just laying there. Okay. Um, <laughs> hmm. I'm not so going to ask I, any I've more had, questions. I've had, now. I've had very interesting experiences. Let me tell you that. <laughs> Holy moly. This is a good one. I um, even remember when I came to LA, I remember the first meal I've ever had. Do you know Cantor's in LA? Fairfax and Melrose, Cantor's. Yeah, Cantor's. Yeah, I love that. Cantor's. Was my, I, that was the first place I ate. And I remember looking at the menu and I picked the cheapest item on the menu. It was $4.30. It was pasta with tomato sauce. Wow. I love Cantor's mm -hmm. Deli because I lived yeah, in LA for a while. I loved it there. So you did uh, comedy. You, uh, you, know, you, you, you got accepted to UCLA uh, on a tennis scholarship, but you, you couldn't go because they only were going to give you like a 70% scholarship, right? So you weren't going to get the whole thing. So you couldn't go. I know that you were really into sports. And so what was, what was that feel? That must've been so crushing, right? Like that was a great opportunity. And so how did you handle that? That was just, I, I didn't even ask my parents if I can take that scholarship. I just knew it was not in the books. So I just moved on. It was not that I sat there and cried. It was just something that was not possible for my parents to mm -hmm. afford. So now I'm thinking if my son would have this opportunity and I would know that I won't be able to, to give him this opportunity would crush me as a, as a mother. So now looking back, I took it actually really well, but I knew I want my children not to have this thoughts. I want them to do whatever they want to do and whatever 
mm-hmm. they want to accomplish in life. I want them to have the opportunity. And I didn't want money ever to be the issue. So you had your first son in 2009 and you, uh, you know, you were like, listen, I got to, I exactly. You're like, I don't want them to have to go through this. I got to find yeah. a career that mm-hmm. is going to make me financially stable. So in 2011, which, which, uh, is the, was probably the worst time to get into real estate. <laughs> you're like, you know what? That, let me get into real estate. So you got into real estate in 2011. Never look back clearly because you're doing really mm-hmm. well. So uh, you 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 had a broker who told you that you're never gonna succeed. Yes. And why did he tell you that? Because we had a different uh, outlook on lead generation. We had a different outlook on how I do my business. And that person was just convinced that the way I do business and the way I uh, find my clients is not going to work on the long run. That person thought it was going to work for one or two years, and it was basically just luck. Interesting. Okay. Um, So let's get into then how you lead generate. How did you build your business? Most of my business is referral, repeat business, or agent referrals. I'm very strong on rubbing bellies with people. I like to look people in the eye. I do not like very much if people just call me up that I don't know. Of course, uh, I have those now a lot too, those kind of leads. But my favorite leads are someone that calls me and says, hey, I've been referred to you by so-and-so. And I'm extremely purposeful with my past clients. I check in with them. I take them for lunch. I take them for dinner. And yeah, sometimes I just have one lunch a day and that's my only touch with a person per day. But that touch gives me a much higher return than calling 200 people cold. Okay, so do you make it, do you have lunch or coffee or do you see a client every day or do you try to do that a few, every day? Yes. And uh, if they're not in town or if I have some new clients that call me, I always make a point of, talking to them on Skype because I feel a lot of emotion and a lot of confidence and a lot of uh, interaction gets lost over the phone. And I'd like to look people in the eye. It's a very different interaction when you see someone's eyes and you talk to them face to face, even if it's just over Skype, than to talk to people over the phone or text them. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you on that. We've lost touch of the human to human interaction behind text messages and emails. And I love that idea where, you know, even if you just do it on FaceTime, really, did you do it on FaceTime on your phone? Mm -hmm. That's great. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you built your business on just creating relationships, uh, sphere of influence. Uh, I'm now. And I talk to everyone. I talk to everyone. I'm like the worst. I'm like the worst. When I go into an elevator with my husband, he always says, please don't talk. Please don't talk. Please don't talk. Because (laughs) I talk. To anyone, I did when I was at my market center. Now I have my own mega agent office. But when I was at my market center, um, we have a UBS in our building, and I would always make a point of having my laptop in my hands when I leave the office and have one of my flyers on top of it, right, so that everybody knows what I do. And I've gotten uh, the head of the sales department started talking to me. And I gave him my card, he gave me his, and he put me in touch with one of his people. 
and uh, we built a relationship. So now we're sending referrals back and forth. So you never know where you can meet people. I met people at gas stations. You know what else I love about you? You go anywhere. Like you make it a purpose to just go to events and network with other agents. You recently came up here to Detroit for... (laughs) our lab code agents one day event I, you weren't even speaking so uh, and you just came up and just like hey i'm coming up to detroit to, to go <laughs> really it was awesome it was cool. awesome yeah. <laughs> yeah uh you went to traverse city michigan a couple months earlier mm-hmm. you know i like that you like to be in the thick of it with other higher level people which is really important i'm sure that you know you get some referrals that way too i would assume uh i do get i do get some referrals but that's not why I do it. I, mm. I thrive on, on learning from other people. I think that that's what keeps me most motivated to, um, sometimes you have to take an airplane to learn from other people because the people around you just cannot teach you anymore. So I've learned that when I go to those conferences and I, I surround myself with the people that I admire and that I aspire to be, I become part of them. And, and never in my life have I, even when I was really broke, envied people that had more than I had. I would always go to them and find out what they did so I can achieve the same or even more. I think that's a really important point and that people should listen to because unfortunately, social media specifically has has caused us to... First of all, believe everything we see, believe everything we hear, believe everything we read, and we compare ourselves to other people constantly. And I catch myself doing it sometimes too, like, oh yeah. man, I'm, I'm working really hard. Why can't I be like that person? But you know, the only person you're in competition with is, is yourself. It's really. yourself. Correct. Correct. <clears throat> and so, you know, you became successful, uh, very successful, the number one single agent in Florida in 2018 with 35 million in volume, you know, but it wasn't something that happened overnight. Uh, so... You just recently, you know, started a small team, right? Correct. Yes. Uh, it's going sometimes well, sometimes not so <laughs> well. well. No, <laughs> it, it never goes super smoothly. Uh, nothing ever goes super smoothly. Yeah. So, you know, talk about before you got to that, talk about the early days, right? Like what was your first year like in real estate? My first year was very painful. I cried a lot. I think That's, I cried. I think I cried about, almost every day. Yeah, that sounds about right. I, I I was just thinking, oh my God, this is like the worst job ever. <laughs> Although, you know, my very first client I met, because I didn't know anyone in Miami, I didn't know a soul. So right. I talked to anyone I met. The first client I had ended up buying several houses with me. And I, I think I made on the first client like $60,000. Okay. So I was like, wow. I like this. Yeah. So, uh, but after that, it went a little bit uh, down. And I was crying a lot because I had friends that I would show houses for months and they would end up buying with another realtor. So I learned that in this business, there is absolutely no loyalty. And I, I self-pitied myself a lot. I complained. I remember I wanted to file complaints against people and all that kind of stuff. And now when I see on, on pages, even on, on your page, on LabCode agents, people are always like, oh, my neighbor listed his house with someone else. I'm like, okay, you need to get over it. Yeah. Because Move on. There's, not, there's not just one client. Find the motivated. Find the motivated, right? There is always someone else out there. And if your neighbor didn't list with you, probably he didn't see the value in your service. 
Or if your past client bought a house with someone else, you probably didn't nurture him enough. If a buyer ends up buying with another realtor, shame on you. You didn't put him on a buyer's agreement. So there's always something to learn from your own mistakes. Love it. Mm -hmm. Totally tough love right now. And when I do that, people say I'm being sassy. So sassy, sassy Nick. No, you You got to be, listen. Sometimes I want to comment on uh, when people write that, but I don't want to be too harsh. But the truth is, you know, there's always, there's more business out there. So just go find other business. There's so many people out there. They will be grateful for your service. Why are you spending time on the seller that calls you up every day for two hours and whines? Drop that seller. Find a different seller. Someone that's motivated and that loves you. Yeah, there you go. And I often feel that when an agent spends too much time dwelling on someone who didn't use them to buy or sell a house, the agent doesn't have enough business to focus on, right? So they're focused on that one person. Sometimes they do. I mean, I, I remember I've had situations where I would get really depressed about this one client cheating on me. I was getting like really into it. I would almost, it's almost like you're starting to Facebook stalk them and you get become crazy. You get into crazy mode. <laughs> and my broker in the new office, she kept telling me, Catherine, just find new business, find new business. You know what? She was right. You just need to get over that. You need to get tougher. And I think I've gotten now tougher. I still get hurt when people don't use me or uh, they buy with another agent. But the truth is we don't own the clients. They can go to whoever they want. Totally right. Tell me about what your day looks like. Um, how does my day look like? What do I <laughs> Are you looking? You asking your your admin? What do I do every day? So we try to not do any showings before twelve p.m. Okay. So in the morning we focus on lead generation, and I do. Although I'm technically a team on record, it's basically right now just me selling. I have one ISA and an office manager and a full time marketing assistant. Mm-hmm. So between nine and twelve we focus on lead generation. Then for lunch, uh, most of the time I meet with a client or with a potential uh, buyer or seller or with a developer. We meet with a lot of developers right now too. Mm -hmm. And then in the afternoon, uh, we do showings. And believe it or not, in Miami, you have to show all of your listings in person. So I Mm -hmm. am still doing some of the showings, although I just leveraged myself a little bit uh, on those showings because it becomes a lot. You have... 35 listings right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that can be a lot of showings of your own listings. Yes. Yes. And I know it's ridiculous. I have to drive through throughout town to show my listings. Um, so my next hire is actually going to be a full-time showing agent for my listings. Now, when you say show, you mean you have to accompany the other agent or obviously if you have a Correct. buyer, you have to accompany them. Correct. I mean, we, we do lock boxes on some lower priced units, like 130,000, 150,000. Uh, the only downside on that is that in Miami, a lot of agents don't know how to lock the door or turn mm. off the lights or close the windows. And then our sellers call us very angry. And there is not a lot of intelligence in, in Miami. I'm, I'm pretty sure that agents across the country don't know how to lock doors. I'm just saying. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> so you experienced that too? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. All the time. All the time. Oh, wow. But how do you get away with that? I mean, you don't get away with it. I mean, people are obviously un- unhappy, but, uh, you know, it, I mean, it doesn't happen all the time, right? But every now and again, someone won't lock a door or something. I mean, they just, in, in 
in New Jersey where I would sell, you know, we had a lot of old homes, like 100 year old homes or more. And sometimes the doors were old and it was hard to like get the lock open and whatever. But I mean, it didn't happen all the time, but I'm pretty sure that agents everywhere forget to turn off lights or close doors or close windows. You know, it's oh, just, that makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah. I thought it was a Miami thing. Well, I mean, I no, it's definitely not. I think it's a whole countrywide thing. But so um, you started to become much more successful. You uh, you said that you you track every penny that you make. You own. You now own income properties with your husband. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so does this really like focused tracking come from the memory of just always scrounging for money? Yes. Yes. And no, I mean, full disclosure, I did not grow up like poor, poor, but I would say lower middle class. Yeah. Well, we when had, you were here yes. in America. When yes. you were here, oh, when, when I was moved. here in America. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I, uh, I just never had anything like savings. Right. I mm. had maybe... I think the, at the best point, I had maybe $1,500 in the bank. Now, if I don't have at least six figures on my bank account, I can't sleep. Yeah. I need to have some money in case of an emergency. I need to, I need to be, be able to sleep. Otherwise, I, I can't. So for me, it is very important not having money, but not not having money. Okay? I heard, yeah, I heard a really good saying that reminds me of what you just said. So everybody has a zero, right? Mm-hmm. And so your zero might be, I don't know, let's just say your zero is $100,000, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say your bank account zero is 100000 Once your bank account gets to 100000 that's like having no money in your bank account. Yeah, it stresses me out. It seriously stresses me out because I've had this experience, what the absence of money can do in your life I don't want to be in this position ever again. So I love to talk about money and I love to teach others how to make money. I do have a lot of clients, investors that are like doctors, that are lawyers, that make the money, but they have no clue on how to invest it. So it is really my passion to show them. I even teach them like landlord classes and all that kind of stuff. I want to teach them how they can grow their wealth by owning income properties and create passive income. So... I, so I, I was basically coming from having a bad relationship with money. Everything, every bill that I had to pay was expensive, was this and that, until I changed my mindset. And actually my OP did a class on that. She said that, let's say you have to pay rent $2,000. Instead of saying, oh my God, I have to pay rent, you should say, wow, I'm so grateful I'm able to pay rent. And see that as a positive thing, that you Mm -hmm. are able to do something good with your money. So now instead of my kids, they, they, uh, they are involved in all kind of after school activities. I don't even look how much they are. I sign them up for something every day because I can. And, uh, instead of saying, oh my God, I have to pay this money. I say now, oh, I can contribute value to their life. And I'm so grateful I can contribute this. So um, for me now, I don't look at money anymore. I look at value that something brings. Mm, I like that. So it's not how much does it cost, how much value does it bring me? Does that make sense? Makes total sense. And, you know, a lot of people would would probably, and these are people that have the wrong way of thinking, right? Like, oh, you know, she makes a ton of money and she can just do whatever she wants and blah, 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 blah. And people look at people who, 
have money and they're negative about it, but you, you know, you worked your way there. Like nobody gave it to you. I, I think I saw something you posted on Facebook the other day about like, nothing's ever handed to you. What was the post that you made? Nothing's ever handed to you. Just you go there and get it. Yeah, since I'm 12, I've been working. I was a tutor. I was a tennis instructor. I was, you don't even want to know all the jobs I did in my life. I a think, stand-up comedian. Stand-up comedian. I did everything except a commercial. We didn't talk about your, we didn't talk about your cheese commercial. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yes, I did a cheese commercial, hair commercial, anything on this planet except for prostitution. I even cleaned bathrooms. I did anything. So I'm really not afraid to get my hands dirty. And if worse comes to worse, I'll clean toilets again. I don't mind. Yeah, it's not going to be the best job, but hey, I don't mind. Whatever what, it takes. Whatever you have to do. So on your way up to the top, you you said that you were feeling lonely, right? Because I'm like you, like you have big goals, you know, you don't like when people are around you saying that you're not going to be able to accomplish them. They try to make you feel guilty for it. And I'm completely with you. Like being around higher level people is so important and not to put agents down, right? But so many of them don't think like business owners. They don't think like entrepreneurs. They live paycheck to paycheck, you know? And so I love that you... You just got to get out of that. You got to get out of. I'm like, the get out of my way. People. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, like, and they and they probably are like, you know, oh, Catherine, you know, she thinks she's too good, but they should, like you said, they should look to you and say, how how did she get there? Not like, oh, you know, she only got there because you know you want to yes. learn how someone gets to a certain place. And when you when you inquire and you come from curiosity, great things are going to happen in your life. Don't you agree with that? I want those people to get out of my way because I have zero tolerance for negativity and discouraging people because I feel that everyone that's on a path and that's willing to grow has a light that gets brighter and brighter and brighter. And I've always really learned and thrived on people that shine brighter than me. And those people that shine so bright, they're always willing to give you a little bit of their lights to make your lights brighter, right? Versus the people that are unsuccessful and always negative, they're trying to dim your lights. So it's sometimes very hard to be around people that are discouraging because they try to dim your light and you still have to move in the direction that you want and you kind of have to ignore them because no one should ever dim your lights. People should help you shine brighter, shine brighter, shine brighter, not to dim your lights. And uh, it, it is not always easy because people talk behind your back people invent stories and you just kind of have to ignore it because that's just the the path it is. When you get more successful, you're lonelier. It's lonely on the top. I agree with you a hundred percent. And so, you know, even for me, like I, I used to be very envious of other people and I was, I was a victim and you know, you, you are the only one who's in control of your life. Uh, and once you realize Correct. that, you know, once you realize that, then, uh, Things aren't so bad. So, <laughs> so, so, uh, what's what's in store for you coming up? What do you have planned for next year? How are you going to grow your business even more? Are you going to bring in some showing agents? You know, but what do you want for your life in general? I know you have kids. I just have a lot of questions. I think so. Let me just <laughs> down a little bit. Let's start with this right before I get into what's next in store for you. You have two children. You have a husband. You're very busy. You know, doing do, taking thirty five listings. 
How do you balance life and work if you are able to at all? You know, how do you do that? I'm not, I'm not able to. I, I don't think a perfect balance doesn't exist. And I feel you need to get out of balance in one part of your life in order to achieve greatness in another part. So I know that I'm very career focused right now and I am very well aware that my family is right now on second position and I wanna change that for next year. I really wanna make more time for my family and spend more time with my children because my son is already 10. Mm -hmm. And probably in four or five years, he's not even gonna say hi to me anymore. Right, mom, leave me alone. So for me, it's like, I'd like to spend a little bit more time with the family. Got it. Okay. Well, I'm glad that you realize that, you know, a lot of people, it's hard for them to, you know, to actually say that out loud. So that's huge. So uh, next year, that's a big goal for you to spend a little more time, spend more time with the family, work, work more family time into your schedule. But what else do you have going on? What else do you want to accomplish for 2020? I'd like to do in 2020, 150 transactions and $60 million in volume. That was actually the goal for this year, but we moved to our own mega agent office and uh, we got a little bit thrown off our path. Let's put it like this. Things happen that happened with my team this year where, you know, we were heading in a really good direction. I had to make some executive decisions and sometimes you know, through growth, things slow down a little bit and then you learn from them and you pick back up. So it's totally But I, I think normal. that's a beautiful thing when, when that happens because I used to beat myself up over not achieving the goals or not reaching the goals that I had. But now I don't do that anymore. I'm like, okay, I tried my best. I still did pretty good this year. And I, you know, it's, it's a fail forward. You got to see it positive. Yeah, I agree 100%. But this has been great. Like, I, I love talking to you. It's a lot of fun. Never a dull moment. Um, and the next time I have you on, we'll just, you know, do your stand-up routine. I think that's what... <laughs> I, think. I, have now, I have now a whole lot of different routine because back then I was single and dating. And now I'm, like, married. I have a lot of kid jokes. I have... One joke. Those. Give us one joke. From the top <laughs> of my mind, I only know this one. Okay, I mean, I'm, I'm going to do it. You can cut it out, right? Go, go, go. Do it, do it, do so, it. My mom always used to say, Katrine, men are like toilets. They're either occupied or full of shit. <laughs> That's good. I love it. So good. So good. I think that is the one that you told me when I saw you at yeah. the conference. That's a good mm-hmm. one. Love it. Um, but next time, it'll just be a whole like 30 minutes of, of, of uh, stand-up comedy. <laughs> So your mom calls you Katrine, is that? Uh, yeah, in, in Germany, in Germany, people call me Katrin. Oh, God, I like mm-hmm. it. Cool, cool. All right, so hey, everyone who's listening, um, if you enjoyed hearing from Catherine uh, and you feel, you know, you can relate to her and you want to reach out and say hello and, you know, maybe ask her a couple questions, how can someone do that? How can they reach you? Um, I have a website, katherinerain.com. They can also find me on Instagram, Beautiful Miami Team, or on Facebook. We're there. And one thing I forgot to to say, what I want to do next year. I totally forgot. Oh, what do you want to do? Ah, Next year, I have plans because I published this year a book in Germany. that Oh, Oh, you told me. It was a bestseller in Germany? Yes, it was. And I'd like to publish a book in the United States. At, At least... Probably not published next year, but I want to start working on it next year. And it uh, has a lot of helpful advice for any business person. Love it. So what what was the book that was uh, a bestseller in Germany? 
it is, uh, I was co-authoring it along with, I believe, 24 other women. And mm. we were telling the story on how we became successful in life. And the book is called, How Did You Do It? Wie hast du das gemacht? Oh, nice. Are they going to mm-hmm. translate that into English or what? No, because they feel that uh, once you translate it, it doesn't, the, the message gotcha. doesn't um, come Just across. I got it. Yeah, with a language barrier. Also, I want, might want to add, Catherine is also a moderator in our Lab Code Agents group with 102,000 members. So if you haven't joined Lab Codes, join, and you'll see Catherine. She's doing, she's crushing it with videos in our group lately. I love it. Lots of funny <laughs> stories about the home inspector that found uh, rodent droppings, and then it turned out to be lizard <laughs> droppings. In see in Miami, it's all about have, the poop. Yeah, in Miami, exactly. In Miami, you get lizard droppings. In 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 New Jersey, you get you get rat poop. <laughs> There's a big difference. See, so you can find her in Lab Code Agents doing awesome videos. And if you enjoyed listening to Catherine, and you enjoyed other episodes of Real Estate Rewind, and you're on iTunes, you're on Spotify, Google, SoundCloud, Podbean. I mean, I can go on and on with a podcast platforms, just hit a button that lets you subscribe or download because that is showing us that you love us and leave some reviews for Catherine. Give her five stars, comment and say how, how great and inspiring you thought it was because that'll make her happy too. And uh, again, we'll see you next time when we talk to another super crazy, powerful mega agent on obstacles and failures on Real Estate Rewind. Hope you like this week's show. Feel free to share it with anyone looking to improve their career and their bottom line as a real estate agent. And don't forget to subscribe so you'll know when new episodes are posted. Real Estate Rewind with Nick Baldwin. Real Estate Unwound.